Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number... Brandon? It's funny, because you start the episode uh, before you actually say anything. You say, three, two, one, and count us down. And uh, the, the episode number is not 321, it's 327. But um, you had two of the numbers before you even uh, said anything officially on air, but here we are, Jimmy. 327. Uh, with me, as always, is Brandon Lee Galton, as you just heard uh, a moment ago from Bleeding Green Nation. I'm Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. This is going to be a mailbag episode. Brandon asked or solicited uh, mailbag questions for the pod. We got about 14, 15 of them or so. So we'll bang out those uh, during this very, very slow period of the off season. But before we get to all that, I need to know where I can find the finest meat snacks in the Righteous land. Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. It's the most simple way I can say it. Go do it. Also, if you have a pet, you can check out wildrangerpet.com and use the same discount code for 15% off dog treats. That's BGN15 for 15% off. Jimmy, we have a great show for the listeners today. It's a little less than a month until training camp. We didn't do an episode last week, um, because in part because sorry, it's slow <laughs> and there's not a lot to talk about. <laughs> yeah. And I think you and I both are trying to maximize this downtime we have before things get crazy. Especially coming off the Super Bowl, you know, there's it, the season went longer than it usually did. So there's a little bit because normally, mm-hmm. you know, let's say if Eagle season ends uh, kind of like it did the year before when they lost in the first round, even or they don't make the playoffs. You get like kind of a couple few extra weeks there where uh, there isn't like necessarily a ton going on. So you get a little bit more downtime. So we're trying to take advantage of that. So sorry there wasn't an episode. Well, I mean, I haven't even gotten to enjoy that okay. yet because like the last week and a half. So that dumpster fire series I do every year, which they're all getting published this week. Um, we're recording this on Thursday morning, by the way. Um, they're horrible to write. <laughs> like I, I hate writing them because they uh, take forever and they real like it's they're stressful because they got to be on point because they're going to get dissected by the fans of the other teams. Uh, so once this once tomorrow is over, which is the final one, the Eagles one, then it's summer enjoyment time for this guy. Gotcha. But we, but like you said, we have less than a month before training yep. camp, so uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be here before we know it. And that's exciting because that's always a fun time. Daily pods and all that. We'll have that for you here on BGN Radio. Daily practice notes. Honestly, one of my favorite times of the year covering the team because I just think that's a yeah because it's all about hope and optimism. There's no like for the most part, you know, God forbid an injury or two, but uh, there's no losses that really happen in training camp. You can't lose a game. You can lose a joint training camp practice, I guess, but you can't really lose a game. Uh, so those are always fun. All right, but Jimmy, I guess without any further delay, 
let's get yeah, let's jump in right in to the questions that we solicited uh, at Brandon Gowton at Jimmy Kemsky on Twitter. That's where you can find us at BGN underscore radio. Um, first one, I feel like this is a topic we have to address because it came up with multiple people. Uh, it comes from our friend Conan at Irish Eagles. Love Conan. Thoughts on erroneously picking Jason Kelsey to lose to James <laughs> Seltzer in the chugging competition. Seemed foolish at the time, even more so now. So that's the first part of this question. I want to address that. You actually, so I um, did not hear that. Oh, you weren't listening no, to the it? Competition. Yeah, it. Total BS. So, you know, you and I know very well, and we've talked about it on the podcast, I think, many times. You, you saw James Seltzer take down some car bombs, Irish car bombs. Um, and I know James well for like, you know, over 10 years now and or about 10 years now and um i just know not, not only is james like a good chugger but he's also just very good at anything he sets his mind to kind of like he's very locked in he's a very intense guy and, mm-hmm. and i say that as a compliment um and also i think competitive so we had a, you and i had a lot of confidence that james was going to beat jason kelsey as it turns out he didn't but it was a fugazi competition Unquestionably. And I am I'm more mad because I don't like being sure. wrong. <laughs> but basically what James can do is if you give him like a beer, one beer, he can basically just open up his face and pour it down into a standard his body serving cavity. size beer, right? Like a normal a normal yeah. amount. Like it takes no it's like literally he can just dump it into his face and it's gone. And but you so here's what happened with that competition. Like <laughs> they line up at the table and all of a sudden the, it's no, it's the, the, the competition isn't a beer. It's now like two and a half beers. It was like 30, it was 30 yeah. ounces that they were drinking. And you can't like, you can't do that. You can't just pour 30 ounces in like the way that, you know, some of these guys can like just guys, gals can just open up their throat and pour a beer down it. Can't do that with thirty ounces. Like there's just no way. And he did like he had no idea that they were gonna kind of change that. So after it was over and Kelsey had beaten him, the there was a a woman who was basically running this event. I think she worked for the Eagles Autism Foundation or whatever, and basically said, like, oh yeah, we planned this so that James wouldn't know <laughs> that it was gonna what be 30 ounces. And and Jason did and Kelsey did know. Um and and she basically just said, yeah, we were we just we just need to make Jason look good. <laughs> like that was an actual quote. Like we need to we yeah. need Jason to look good, which is crazy. Like you know, like come on. I thought this was going to be the last. I did. I, I'm going in blind, by the way, on these mailbag questions. I did happen to see this one. I was certain that you were yeah. going to pick it. I thought it was going to be at the end, and no. then we were going to lead off with it. This is serious but it's, stuff uh, here. I think it is important. It, I agree. It's making, totally making important. And I'm bad. glad you're like off ruining of it. our integrity. They're like, oh, these guys are dumb. They don't know what they're talking about. It's like, no. I mean, if I knew if I if I knew they were gonna change the stipulation right before the competition, well, maybe I would have had a different opinion. Uh right. It, it, right. I would I would have absolutely not picked James in that scenario because that's now you're just like it's like gulp, gulp, uh-huh. gulp, 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 gulp. Which you know, Jason's going to win. That. Kelsey's like, going to win that all day. Pounds? James is like, I don't know, one Exa- right? One, he's one sixty. Yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> uh, and I, I have it from a good source that uh, 
even Jason Kelsey admitted that it was a uh, unfair, and he would actually like to do a rematch. I think in a more fair way. Oh, okay. Because, you know, good. Jason Kelsey has integrity and he's honorable. And it wasn't like I'm saying he rigged the competition. I did not make that accusation. To be clear, that's it's, correct. It was about the yeah. people. Although he did know it was going to be thirty hours. Sure, but I mean, I, he may not have known that James didn't sure. know. But yeah, he, I don't want to yeah. accuse any. I, I don't. I have no evidence to accuse uh, Jason of uh, fair, foul play here. But obviously, like, you know, they're, they're not going to want Jason Kelsey to lose to James because with all due respect, I love James, but no one cares about James. <laughs> I mean, at least the same level that they care about Jason Kelsey, <laughs> right. especially his, his own event. Um, so, yeah, let's get that out of the way that I don't think we were wrong as much as we did not have the full information and James got screwed and Jason Kelsey admitted as much. So poor James is basically just a pawn yeah. in this game of uh handing jason kelsey uh uh, i I don't even recognize it as a win personally because it's it's it was you know total bs win like if you would bet money on that you should get your money back like there's there should be no 100 it should be void like it's a void it's a void bet um 100 and also james did end up i think redeeming himself he beat the eagles players i don't know if kelsey was part of that but he i saw the uh, team wip which james was part of beat uh the eagles players in flip cup and James was like the final guy ah. to, he was at the end of the line. So he sealed the deal. So, mm. you know, a little redemption there for who were the players. Uh, I, f- I think Goddard was in there. I forget who else, but um, uh, yeah. So there you go. Anyway, let's, that's interesting. Cause that's actually like hand eye coordination. Right. And you think the athletes would smoke them in that? Yes. Uh, shout out to ESP. I saw he got it in like the first try, like took down the drink, put the cup, <laughs> boom, got it. So, uh, shout out to him. Okay. All right. Now for the actual Eagles part. <laughs> now we spent way too much time on that. Most likely position that Howie Roseman adds as a potential starter before week one. And I'm going to include another question from at Matt Kraniak in here who asked mm-hmm. what free agent will the Eagles add during training camp? Yannick Ngakwe, T.Y. Hilton, Justin Pugh. Uh, so kind of a, all tied in together here. Do you see... Like, who do you see the Eagles adding if you have a specific name? And if you don't, let's cons- say a, a position they might add. You know, I hadn't considered T.Y. Hilton, but that actually kind of makes mm. some sense. Like, he came in for Dallas last year and, boom, was productive. Like, right, I had, like, the big play against the Eagles. Well, what what happened with that again? Was it third and a million? And he got Everyone over the top somehow. Everyone thought it was Slay, but then Slay exonerated himself, as he really does on Twitter. <laughs> and basically, in not so many words, threw Josiah Scott under the bus. And it said that Josiah it should have been was, Scott yeah. dropping right away instead of, like, going forward first. Okay. Yeah. I hadn't considered him, but that makes some sense because um, he's a speed guy, can play outside, can play inside. Um, that's an interesting one. I hadn't considered him, Background so good job by who was that? Obviously. Uh, who was that question by again? Matt Kraniak. Yeah, good job, Matt Kraniak. Yannick Ngakwe, I can just I can see that from the perspective of they just always are in the market for edge rushers. I don't know that uh, he's all that realistic because. If he's unsigned, he's obviously waiting for more money, and I don't think that they can pay another guy like a lot of money when they are. I mean, they already have Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat, Hassan Reddick, um, Nolan Smith. So I don't, I don't know how realistic that is. If a guy gets hurt, certainly they're going to add another guy like they did last year when Barnett got hurt. For me, it's linebacker. Um, I think that's a, that's a pretty obvious answer. Uh, the Eagles are optimistic about what they have in Nicobe Dean. Remains to be seen whether he can live up to that or not. And then, you know, as you and I have mentioned over and over in recent podcasts, there's going to, I think there's an underrated linebacker 
their starting linebacker competition between the newly signed uh, Nicholas Morrow and Christian Ellis. So, you know, uh, they're going from TJ Edwards and Kaiser White to a situation where, you know, there are some question marks. And I think no matter what, they need more depth. Mm. So I think they're going to add a linebacker, if if not like a starting caliber type linebacker, at least the guy that can that you know can play special teams and can be a backup if need be, because I don't know that at this point you can trust guys like Davion Taylor. Sean Bradley played zero defensive snaps last year. Um, what am I missing here? I guess that's probably about it, right? <laughs> so like, not a lot of linebacker depth there. Uh, may, the guy that's kind of like gotten some, uh you know, speculated about is Patrick Queen, uh, former first round pick out of LSU, uh, plays for the Ravens. I don't know what that situation, I haven't checked in on that situation recently. So I don't know if like the unhappiness there, or I guess what they did was they added a couple, you know, pricey linebackers and he's kind of the third guy now. So you have to give something up decent, I think to get him. So I don't know. Remains to be seen. They'll, they'll get a, what I think they'll do is they'll get a good look at these guys in training camp, see what they have and then sort of uh, adjust on the fly from there, whether they think they need a starter or just more depth. Yeah, I agree with that last point there. I don't really think they're like jonesing to sign anyone so much before camp as much as they would like to see what they have. And if they feel yeah. like they need to address something like they did in a different way with a trade uh, with Ronald Darby, you know, getting him in 2017, I think it's that kind of situation where you're going to like, you know, they, they like what they have. They're going to give those guys a chance. And then if something is clearly not going well, then you kind of like, all right, you know, let's let's look to add at that point. And then from the players, some of these players, like they don't want to be in camp. Uh, not not everyone, but like in Dominican Sue last year, like he didn't want to be in camp. Clearly, he was waiting sure. until midseason. So um, the, the players have to want to be there, too. I don't think Ngakwe wants to come to the Eagles based on uh, opportunity as well. I just don't think there's enough. True. Yeah, he's going to be a backup here. There's not enough snaps for him, and that matters because you want to get stats and then get another contract after this year. Mm -hmm. So I just don't really think – I think the Eagles would love to have him, sure, at a certain price. But it's kind of like the DeAndre Hopkins thing a little bit in that I don't think the role is going to be enticing enough for the player to sign. So it would take a special special situation where um, the player doesn't really care about that as much. Uh, it kind of realizes that maybe they can't find a role in anywhere that they really love. So they might as well play for a team that might in theory be good. And they at least can kind of have that, uh, the opportunity to, to win. So there's that, um, some, some like kind of like perplexing free agents still out there. Like Dalton Risner. Why is he still out there? This is like a, like a quality starting guard, right? Um, yeah, it's gotta be injury related. So I would think, right. It's gotta something. be something. Cause offense, there's so many teams that are just so hard up for offensive mm-hmm. line help. You'd think somebody would have signed him. It's got to be something. And like, unlike wide receiver or edge rusher, you're not like worried about like role, right? Like he's either starting for you probably, or he's not, or uh, it's not like he's like splitting snaps at guard. Uh, and then I guess like I look at Melvin Ingram. If you wanted like someone to like be your, your Robert Quinn from last year, I guess you could you know add mm-hmm. him if you felt like you needed that, or like Justin Houston, something like that. Uh, and John Johnson being a, a safety or the free agent being the being a free agent still Philly yeah, guy. Like that's also kind of a confusing one to me. Like man, he's like kind of young. I know he got cut, but like I don't know. So maybe that's one again to me. That would be one to keep an eye out if let's say you know Terrell Edmonds doesn't look good and Reed Blankenship isn't looking good and Sidney Brown doesn't look ready. Well, maybe you sign him at some point um, to kind of raise the floor at that position. But uh, but yeah, I mean I get where these questions come from. It's always exciting to think about like the next addition and everything but for now i think mm-hmm. the roster is they're kind of happy with it and they're just gonna wait and see how things go in camp 
And of course, uh, going back to T.Y. Hilton, just for one more point, obviously he played uh, with Nick Sirianni uh, in Indianapolis for a number of years. And I think I think Nick has actually mentioned him at times during like press conferences and stuff, too. So there's a relationship there. And Kevin Petullo was his uh, like position coach specifically as well. So I think, right. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think he was their receivers coach before uh, Mike Groh ended up there. So, you know, there's like even more overlap uh, in that relationship. All right. Next. This comes from Alex Christie, a.k.a. A. Christie 1411 on Twitter. Who's, I like this question a lot. Whose reign lasts the longest out of Jalen Hurts, Nick Sirianni, and Howie Roseman? Meaning, mm. who is with the team the longest from this point on? I'll go Howie on that one. I think Howie's just going to be here for life. Probably. Um, yeah, I think Hurts, um, you know, obviously every player has some kind of shelf life. But yeah, I can see how he how he loves this. <laughs> like yeah, how he legitimately loves what he does. And if it's his choice, he's not going anywhere for a long time. And I think that, you know, uh, Jeffrey Laurie uh, loves Howie Roseman as much as Howie Roseman loves being a GM. So I don't see him going anywhere anytime soon. And then between, so I guess for me, it's just between Hertz and Nick. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of tied together because the success of one is going to be directly correlated to the other. Right. Uh, I think the, the quarterback usually gets more benefit of the doubt. Coaches are hired to be fired. That's probably true. Yeah. I'm, uh, it's, it's the easiest mm. like flip switch to flip is always firing the coach. I feel like not changing the quarterback. It's funny. Cause when we actually have a, we have recent, uh, you know, we have a recent situation to point to here with Doug yeah. and Carson. <laughs> and like, technically they were gone in the same season or excuse me, they were gone in the same season, but technically Doug was gone first. They wanted uh, to keep Carson. So, so yeah, right. We believe. And so they said, but he didn't want to be here. Right. Um, yeah. I think that's probably, I think that's probably right. So I would say Hertz probably has long, more more chance for longevity than Nick. So I would rank them Howie, Hertz, I agree. Nick. Do you think maybe this is a dumb concept? I don't know. But is it possible that Howie could like get into ownership at some point because of the relationship with Lurry and like maybe you know Lurry passes on? Does like you know I I we fully expect Julian Lurry to take over the team, but like right. does Howie, you know, get like like a cut of that at some point, especially if he's here for so long? Does he like get involved as like a partial owner or something? I don't know. And I think his salary isn't that high. I have an idea of what it is. It's nice. Like, it's like really nice. GMs don't get paid a lot. Compared to like the highest paid players on the team, he's not like in that. But I'm saying from an inheritance standpoint, I mean, not even necessarily like, you know, like buying in like a normal person would have to, but because of the unique relationship. It's a, that's my point. It's such a unique relationship. he, He would just be giving it to him. Giving them like basically that you know if you given some if you're giving somebody a stake right. in the team you're giving them millions upon millions of dollars, so I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean clearly Howie's done an amazing job <laughs> like the last couple of years, bouncing back from a couple uh, you know very questionable years, and uh, you know he's he, I think it's pretty clear at this point like he is in the top tier of NFL GMs. Um, yeah, I don't see him going anywhere anytime soon. 
at Boston underscore sucks, which is a true sentiment, asked, uh, which draft <laughs> class? This is another good question. Uh, I mean, these are all good questions. Let's be real. Listeners yeah. are great. But some of these especially made me like, oh, I'm excited to think about that or talk about that. I think I got a sneak peek at this one, too. I think I even liked yes. this question on which Twitter. Which draft yeah. class has a greater impact on the Eagles this season, the 2022 draft class or the 2023 draft class? And I wanted to remind uh, both us and the listeners of exactly who was in each one, just to kind of, you know, as a, as a table setter. Yep. Uh, 2022, the Eagles drafted Jordan Davis, Cam Jurgens, N'Kobe Dean, Kyron Johnson, and Grant Calcaterra. And in 2023, they drafted Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, Tyler Steen, Sidney Brown, Keely Ringo, Tanner McKee, and Moro Ojomo in that order. Now, I kind of wonder, you know, can we include, I feel like maybe we can, let me know. Ray Blinkenship, Reed. Britton Covey, and Josh Joe mm-hmm. as the notable UDFA uh, members from. Mm-hmm. I think we can include them, do, yeah. too. That also puts you at eight and seven, right? So that kind of like evens the number out to a little bit as opposed to. That's right. And, and you know, like, let's say you can also include, you know, this year's crop of UDFAs. Or whatever, whatever yeah, UDFA which, may make the team, like Eli right. Ricks or Mackay Garner, whoever. Yes. So um, uh, that is a great question. I think as a starting point. We can expect the 2023, the current draft class, to play a lot more than the 2022 draft class did. Oh, that's last a very year. low bar. So yes, yeah, <laughs> yes, because you didn't get. I mean, uh, Jurgens barely, basically, didn't play at all. Davis only played what six, seven or eight weeks before he got hurt, and then he came back, and his snaps were mm-hmm. not what they were when he, you know, in the beginning of the season. Um, Nicobe basically didn't play. Kyron Johnson played special yeah. teams, and then Calcaterra very limited role. Right, uh, he got you know a little bump when uh, mm-hmm. when Goddard got hurt, but otherwise basically didn't play at all. Um, occasional three tight ends. Chip had there. A, a big role for a while. Sure, he was the most. He was like the most impactful mm-hmm. rookie from sure. that class uh, last year. So, um, but as far as you know, which class is going to do more in twenty twenty three? I mean, it's actually interesting because two of those guys are facing off each other against each other for a starting job in Jurgens and Steen. Yeah. So that that is a fun battle to it. That yeah, I think that could be the thing that kind of turns. And let it me maybe. be clear again: the question you know here what? is greater impact. So it's not necessarily snaps played. I think it's you know who is yeah, giving yeah, yeah. The, the more value. I would say to the team. I think this draft class is certainly you know way more way splashier. Yeah has a chance to like Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith are both first round picks, obviously. And then they have two guys at the very top of the third round in Steen and in uh, Sidney Brown. So all four of those guys have a chance to get significant playing yeah. time. And when you look at the last year's class, Reed is going to get significant playing time. Uh, Reed Blankenship, of course. Probably shouldn't be on a first name basis with, with Reed Blankenship. Uh, Davis is going to get more playing time. Jurgens, assuming he wins that battle, which he may very well may not. In fact, I kind of feel like Steen is going to win. Yeah, you maybe? said that in our over-unders. You took Steen to start, basically. Yeah. One. And Nicobe's obviously going to play. Is going to be He's their number one linebacker right now, so he's going to play way, way. He's going to play, if he stays healthy and is at least semi-competent, he's going to play nine, you know, 900,000 snaps type of role. I'm going to go this year, I think, because there's four guys that can potentially get like decent amount of playing time. And then we'll see, like if Keely Ringo has to play because some, you know, somebody gets right. hurt. Um, 
the quarterback certainly isn't going to play. McKee isn't going to play unless, well, you know, there's just disaster yeah. strikes, um, which I guess is possible. I mean, Brock Purdy played <laughs> like, you know, however many, six, seven regular season games uh, plus the playoffs. And then, who am I missing? Oh, Moro, Jomo. Yeah. Could have a role. You could have a sneaky role too. So yeah, I'm going to go the 2023 uh, class more, more so than the 2022 class. And of course, this 2023 class was just widely praised, like almost unanimously uh, by people around the league and locally here too. So yeah, I'm going to go 2023. I agree. I think that's the upside play. I mean, because you, you just look at the 2022, like Jordan Davis might have a limited role. Cam Jurgens might not be a starter. Kobe Dean, okay, he's your starter. But what if he's just not good or fine? Uh, and okay, even if he is good, that's one player at off-ball linebacker. Like, is that making the biggest impact versus a defensive tackle who could make a lot of impact and is like a really intriguing player in Jalen Carter? I think at the very least, Nolan Smith's going to have like a special teams kind of role, if not being able to car- carve out playing time and and a, and again a, a valuable role as a pass rusher on defense, like high impact position. I think Tyler Steen has a good chance to be the starting right guard. Sidney Brown, I think at the very least, is going to be rotating in. And then the other guy, Ojomo, could have a role. So, uh, you know, it, it becomes closer when you factor in the UDFAs with Reed Blankenship and everything. And then I think, you know, Britton Covey as well is going to be probably your punt returner still. Uh, so, yep. you know, I think it's going to be a good battle. But I will also side with the upside. I think that's, I like the upside more of 2023. So I'm going to I'm going to go with that as well. That was my Great question. My inclination. Yeah, very good question. Let's do one more here before we take a break. Uh, Chuck at CP under, under, under two underscores 79 ask, was Jimmy Bourne a douche? <laughs> that I just come out of the womb all douchey and such. Uh, I mean, I did come out crying, mm. I'm sure. That's kind of a douchey wow. um, uh, look, maybe. I don't know. But yeah, sure. Okay. Why not? All right. Douche for we life. We will take a break, but not before I tell you about Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Once again, RighteousFelon.com. I always say the website is free to peruse uh, as you wish, and you'll check it out. You'll see there's a lot of great products that they offer there. Use discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. It does not expire. You can, it's a permanent discount code that you can use over and over to help Get yourself some great snacks to help support the podcast here. As I like to say as well, the podcast is free. BGN Radio does not cost you anything. So if you like what we do, and presumably you do if you're listening to this and this far into it, even though it's only, I guess, 20 minutes, then why not help keep the lights on here and support the podcast as well? We appreciate that. So discount code BGN15 at RighteousSelling.com for 15%. And then once again, maybe you don't eat meat. Maybe you don't need snacks. I disagree. You do. But if you don't, then your dog does. And you should go to wildrangerpet.com and get high-quality dog treats by using the same discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. Jimmy, back after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And we're back here on BGN Radio. 
Bleeding Green Nation Radio. Kendall Beck, a regular listener and feedback giver of the podcast at KBeck Eagles on Twitter. With the way the cornerback room is structured, how many do you think the Eagles carry into week one? I'm intrigued by Eli Rick slash Makai Gardner, but also Josh Job slash Zach McPherson, who is getting some work in the slot. Feels like it's going to be a crowded room, and the Eagles might have to make some tough roster decisions. I'll go first on this one. I wrote down that the Eagles are keeping six cornerbacks, and I think okay. five of those are locks. I think James Bradbury and Darius Slay are, I mean, obviously, they're your starting cornerbacks. Yep. Maddox is your starting slot guy. After that, I think Zach McPherson makes the team in some capacity because uh, he's proven special teams value at the very least, even if he kind of stinks it up at cornerback. And I don't think he stinks at cornerback. I think he can give you something. Um, I don't know how he's going to look in the slot. That'll be a big thing to watch in training camp. But I, based on the past two training camps, I feel like I've seen enough from him to know that he can hang a little bit. And this isn't like... A, yeah, he's a, he's a core special teamer too. Uh, not a lost cause out there. Uh, Keely Ringo, they're out, you know, you're keeping him. He's your traded up for him in the fourth round. Yeah. So then it, you kind of look at a final spot there, I think, or you know, if they're, you think they keep seven, which I think is kind of too heavy, especially when you have the practice squad to utilize. I think it comes down to a six corner, and I'm going Josh Job because I think Josh Job uh, showed some promise as well last off season, uh, and was able to help on special teams. And Greedy Williams. I don't really know that you like have to keep. I don't think you have to keep him around. I watched Greedy get destroyed by the Eagles receivers, who, in fairness, are very good in training camp last year when the Eagles practiced against the Browns. So I'm not necessarily like super high on Greedy, and I don't think it's impossible that like, especially because the Eagles signed him for pretty cheap. That like that's a guy you could either like bring back after week one if you wanted to, or put him on the practice squad or something. Like I don't, I don't think you're so concerned about losing him so uh i'm gonna keep those six do you have it any different so greedy williams um you you and i were in lockstep on that by the way in training camp he was getting cooked all day by uh Devontae and, and aj brown um and i also cut up all of his targets uh in 2022 to, to be clear he didn't play much mm -hmm. last year he, he was uh, a regular in 2021 but he became a backup because they have two you know, first round picks the Browns mm -hmm. did in uh, Denzel Ward and uh, the other guy's name. I always, it always escapes me. He went to Greg Northwestern. Second. That's it. Yep. Thank you. Um, so he was behind those guys. He eventually did get some playing time and it was ugly. <laughs> so like <laughs> I did a film breakdown of him, like the, uh, the targets that he faced last year, just not good. So, you know, he's one of these guys that they signed as a lottery ticket, but in my mind, one of the guys with a lesser chance of making the team than some of the other guys they signed. Like a lot of these guys got one year deals worth, worth very little money, but I would say, you know, like Rashad Penny's going to make the team. Nicholas Morrow is going to make the team at a minimum. Well, maybe mm, I don't I know about that, that but yeah, a lot, a lot more likely to make the team than, than Greedy Williams, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, he's, I think he's on the outside looking in uh, as we sit here on June 29th. Uh, than the other way around. And I'm with you. Like, they like Josh Joe. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he he was chippy in some games that he got, like in some blowouts that he got into Yeah, was year. it the Giants playoff uh, game? Was... Didn't he have, like, a big hit towards the end of that game or something? <laughs> yeah, he had a big hit. And then, like, you can see the sideline. All the other defensive backs were going nuts. Yeah. on Like, the, the starters were going nuts after he had a big hit. Um, 
And, you know, he played special teams, too. So he was active on game day, uh, Josh Job. So um, he, I, I like, actually had a yep. role last year, uh, you, you know, making the team as an undrafted rookie. And then, as you mentioned, they got, like, some some UDFAs, like Eli Ricks and Kai Gardner, who will compete for, for, for jobs. I don't know if they have, like, maybe um, – there, there isn't a guy that can play – like, it's going to make the team because he does both. Uh, like, uh, by that I mean, like – corner and safety mm-hmm. um like jo- they tried to make josiah scott that guy last year and it didn't take like whenever he had to play last year opposing offenses just went out of their way to get their number one uh receiver in the slot up against him and just targeted the crap out of him and you know josiah scott really just didn't play very well and the idea that they had so josiah scott is still recovering from an injury Nevertheless, you know, having uh, Zach McPherson playing in the slot day one in OTAs does not bode well for Josiah Scott's future. So, yeah, I'm kind of with you. Like, how many cornerbacks can you take? I mean, they're loaded there, but they're also just the roster in general is loaded. And they're not going to cut a guy if he's just a lot better than somebody at a position of need. They're going to keep, you know, maybe extra personnel at, at, a, at a loaded position. They've Show, they've shown in the past that they'll do that. But I think six is probably the, the right cutoff here, the, the five obvious guys. And then I'm with you. I think Josh Job is sort of the guy uh, that has to get beaten out by the others uh, in training camp as the sixth guy. All right. So we see eye to eye on that one. Next up, at Logan Newhard asks, which undrafted rookie free agent has the best chance to make the roster? And then there's another okay. uh, another part of this question, but it's unrelated. Why don't you go first? I'm going to look up the uh, – I'm going to pull up my list of undrafted guys. I don't think it's the cornerbacks, as we <laughs> clearly, as we just outlined. I know um, – yeah. which is kind of goes against the, like, the nature of um, Ricks and Garner being more, like, highly rated – then... Yeah, yeah. They, they so just I don't mean to cut you off there, but like, but just to add to your point there, Dane Brugler had Eli Ricks as a sixth or seventh round mm-hmm. prospect. Lance Zierlein had him as a fifth or sixth round prospect. Uh, Brugler had Makai Gardner as a seventh round prospect. Zierlein had him as a sixth or seventh round prospect. So those two guys were actually the highest rated undrafted free agents the Eagles had, just according to sort of like the draft experts prior to the draft. I'm looking here at the list. I mean, you could it's it's kind of hard to go with like um what's the guy's name? The offensive tackle, Trevor Reed, cuz like I don't know. Um maybe, I mean they're they're not necessarily settled at tackle depth, so like maybe him if you love his uh, if, if Stoutland really likes him. We saw Josh Shields kind of make the roster when no one I think had him making the 53 last right. year. Like, that's that, that, that. Yeah, I mean even at the even at the end of training yeah. camp, of course. Because like that's it's offensive line. You can only like it's hard to like totally, you know, tell if they love a guy who's an undrafted free agent. Like you're not looking at like, you know, preseason stats or some kind of production and being able to point to that as much as they are the yeah. film and everything. Um so maybe it could be him, but like it's hard to like really forecast that in a great way. I really think in Joseph, Joseph Ngata is intriguing. And yeah. I called him baby AJ Brown. Um, and also they're not really necessarily settled, right? A receiver, like outside of, okay, AJ Brown's going to make the roster. Monty Smith's going to make the roster. If Quez doesn't mm-hmm. get traded, he's going to make the roster. 
Um, but maybe he could be. Alameda. So that's possible. Alameda. And then Covey. Okay, so that's five. Covey's, Covey, I think Covey's basically a lo- almost a lock to make the roster. But also, too. like, do you really trust him to play as much as you kind of just like him as a punt returner? Um, mm-hmm. And, and Gata kind of gives you more of, like, something that you lack if, God forbid, A.J. Brown goes down. Like, he's an X, you know, X type of receiver, his frame. So um, not that, you know, you want to be relying on him making snaps, but maybe he shows enough potential in training camp where you don't want to risk losing him. So uh, he was also the highest paid and undrafted free and agent, that, too. And yes, that's actually a much better point than anything I said. Thank you for reminding me of that, because historically <laughs> that bodes very well. I've went and looked back, you know, you're looking at like TJ Edwards, Nate Herbig, um, mm-hmm. like uh, I think Luke Jerigo once upon it. Like you're looking at guys who like, they the Eagles give those guys change. the guy the guys who they usually pay the highest are the guys who stick around in some capacity or make the roster. I forget who it was last year, um, but it may have been, I think it was Job actually. So yeah, uh, so yeah that that bodes very well for him. I'm going to take Joseph Ingata. He's six three. He's like two twenty, and he was actually a really highly recruited prospect coming out of high school, but just for whatever reason, you know, just it didn't he didn't become a you know, a big time player at Clemson, but he's got size. Theoretically, he could step in and maybe play a Zach Pascal type role that quote unquote enforcer that was originally sure. held by JJ Arthago Whiteside and then, <laughs> and then Zach Pascal. Uh, so yeah, I mean, he could, if, if he can show any kind of ability at all and he's willing to do a lot of the dirty work stuff. And of course he would be as an undrafted free agent, theoretically, um, yeah, and then he's probably my guy. I think he's probably the most, wow. and the guy, the other, the other guy that you mentioned too, Trevor Reed, they do seem to keep like an offensive, like an undrafted yeah. offensive lineman most mm-hmm. years, just as a developmental prospect. And why not when you have Jeff Stoutland and he's got like physical tools, but again, just for whatever reason, it didn't work out for him the way that he's like, he's, he was my understanding of his game at Louisville. I think it was right. Yeah. Um, he, had moments where you're like, wow, that guy can play. And then he had other moments where I was like, ooh, that's really ugly. So that's the kind of guy that Jeff Stoutland seems to be able to clean up. So I don't know. Those are probably my two top guys. And I'll side, I'll put Ngata a little higher than Okay. Ngata uh, also made a couple of good catches, as we noted in our uh, OTA recaps. Nothing, anything like wild, mm-hmm. but like, you know, he was, he was, he was present. He wasn't invisible. He kind of, he, he was on the radar. So that's, I think, a good way. Got yelled at he too did. by Nick Sirianni, so, which is not a bad thing. Especially, does Nick care enough to yell at the guy? Then not, you know, not and bad. It was sort of like not being familiar with the offense, which he's a UDFA. Yeah, like, you know, he has time to get more adjusted. <laughs> There's plenty of. It wasn't like effort. It wasn't an effort issue as much as it was a mental, I think, mistake. Uh, so when they stop yelling at you is when you really need to be sure. concerned. I think that's fair to say too. Uh, and then the second part of this question is: if you had a non-Eagles slash sports podcast, what would you want it to be about? For me, it's pretty obvious to probably talk about food in some capacity, mm. uh, I re- but I, I, I kind of can't do that because uh, I'm a big uh, Doughboys listener, really good podcast, and they could do that way better than I ever do. They review fast food places, but they're also like comedians and like trained in improv and also like, you know, one of the guys is a professional actor. The other guy is um, like a writer, comedy writer and whatnot. So like, you know, they're doing that at a very high level and it's very funny and they can talk about anything. And I think a lot of people listen. I certainly listen. So, um, yeah, but if I had to talk about, if I had to do another podcast, it would be, I like talking about food, obviously, which I do a lot on this podcast. So I think that has to be the answer for me. What about you, Jimmy? I don't know. That's a great question. Um, we've covered here. I'm going to come back to that. That'll be my final thoughts. I think. Okay. 
I'll, I'll do. I'll go final thoughts okay. on that one. You have to come up with a good answer. Let's move on to the next question. At Talon J thirteen asks, "Do you predict any kind of regression from Jalen Hurts, and if so, what would cause it?" Yeah, we touched on this a little bit ago, where uh, the question came up: like, can he continue to get better? And our answer was. Of course he can. Like Tom Brady continued to get better throughout his career. As he gets, you know, more and more snaps year after year, he's just going to keep getting better at pre-snap recognition, going through his reads, all that stuff. Um, So just the mental side of the game is going to continue to improve and improve and improve. The area where at some point maybe you see some fall off is his abilities as a runner, which is what we've seen from – the Cowboys with Dak Prescott, who earlier in his career was a big threat to, to I mean, not in the same way that Hertz is or like Lamar Jackson or whatever, but he'd give you, you know, 350 rushing yards. He was a weapon really more so in the red zone because he was a powerful runner. He could run through arm tackles and stuff like that. Breaks his leg, done. Like the, his running ability, I guess it's still maybe a little bit there, but he doesn't run anyway. He doesn't want to run anymore. So that's the kind of thing that can derail Jalen Hurts from the totally dynamic, difficult to defend quarterback that he is right now. Um, so really, you'd have to project injury for him, and I don't know that I want to do that necessarily. Oh, anyone, but I think at yeah, some point when we, of course, but but I think for for the type of quarterback and player that he is, and just the just the nature of you know that position. When you when you you know do have that running ability, you know later in, in uh, careers for for guys that that have that running ability, you do kind of see some drop off from from them in you know in that aspect, um, you know pretty reliably in my opinion. Um, so you know can he the the trick for him over the longevity of his career is he is you know for him to become a great pocket passer over time. So that doesn't matter when, you know, he loses his ability as a runner. But I think that's sort of like where that drop-off can potentially come. But I don't think we're going to see that this year, of course. Or, or you know, for the foreseeable future, barring an injury. I mean, I you know, I, I pointed out, I think, in the over-under episode that you look at, you know, passer rating and completion or whatever. And there's some really big jumps there. So naturally, yeah, I do think that could go down a bit. Because typically when you yeah. have it at a low number and it jumps up really high, it's not really going to continue to stay at that level. That doesn't mean it's going to jump all the way back down. I was looking at Josh Allen's numbers because a lot of people expected him to regress after his explosion, his year three. Everyone, Mm -hmm. That's the leap that everyone was thinking that Jalen Hurts could make last year. And I think Hurts actually even did better than what Josh Allen did. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's not the Josh Allen jump anymore. It's now, in my mind, the Jalen Hurts jump. Um, But the next season... He did regress, but not like massively. He went down from sixty. He went from sixty nine point two completion percentage, which is pretty high, down to sixty three, which is also where he was in twenty twenty two as well. So that kind of stabilized, and you know his touchdown uh, percentage went from six point five down to five point six. So you know, like passer rating dropped from one hundred seven point two to ninety two, kind of a, lots of bigger jump, but uh, you know, I, I so yeah, I think you are going to see some decreases in those areas. But I don't think that necessarily like really leads to this idea that he's regressing. Like the numbers are worse, but it's not like, oh, what's wrong with Jalen Hurts? I don't think it's so much that. And I do think 
while he might regress in some ways in those categories, he could progress, as you've alluded to, in terms of getting better in other areas. I mean, why would you put a ceiling on this guy? Especially at his age, too. He turned, what, 25? Or he's twenty turning 25? Right. Like, 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 this is a guy. He turns 25 in August. So, like, that's pretty crazy. Uh, I still think there's plenty of... And he's a mental yes. beast. And he is a guy that um, certainly wants to get better. And I think we've outlined the things that I feel like like what his next evolution needs to be in terms of him getting better. And to me, a big part of it is proving you can stack great seasons. We've not seen that from an Eagles quarterback in a very long time. You've had, you know, flash in the pan success. And you see that in the NFL guys can have good quarterbacks can have really good years. That's really not crazy, but you know, the, the really, really the best ones, the really, really good ones are able to stack those years. And that, I guess that sounds obvious, but that's really kind of like the next challenge for him. Um, so we're going to see if he can, and I have confidence that he can. I think he has earned not every to me. I get frustrated sometimes when the benefit of the doubt is just handed out to everyone and it's not earned. It's just yeah. because, oh, there's an Eagles player. I want to believe in them. So they get the benefit of the doubt. I'm not <laughs> right. bored of that as much as I, if guys have to earn it for me. And Joe and Hurt certainly earned yeah. it last year. So I, I think he's earned the right to the benefit of the doubt. And I think we're both giving him Agreed. that right now. If something changes, then that certainly adjusts. But for now, he has it. So I'm not expecting any kind of like regression in a way that hits hard and exposes him. But certainly I don't expect him to be, again, those numbers, some of those numbers as strong as they were last year. Maybe a statistical regression right. you can add to that too, is they have, I mean, let's be honest. He's got, he's in such a good situation because he's playing behind the best offensive line in the NFL. He gets the throw to AJ Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas super Goddard. healthy last year, minus Goddard for five games. Exactly. So that's the point I was going to make. Like if, if you suffer some injuries along the offensive line or, or at wide receiver, then uh, you know maybe your production falls off because you don't have as great a situation as you had when the season. And began. it's a new coordinator. Like I think I, I'm high on mm-hmm. Brian Johnson because I really like when he's talked, and I think he has a good resume as well. Um, but you know, it's still a new guy, and you know, I think you have to be fair to Steichen and give him a lot of credit for the sequencing last year. Steichen was cooking in his game call, in his like yep. in his uh, uh, like the actual calling of the game. Yep. In game, he he cooked at times. So you know that's another factor into the equation here. But uh, on the whole, not really too worried. All right, Jimmy Sheridan, PG asks, do you think Reed Blankenship has a legit shot at landing a starting safety spot? And yeah, I think he's to me he's my like I think he's the most likely player to start at safety for the Eagles this year from the group of him, Terrell Edmonds, and Sidney Brown. So. Yes, I do. Yeah, I have it as uh, Edmonds and, and uh, Blankenship probably beginning the season as the starter. I think, and we've mentioned this plenty on the podcast, but we, I think we both think that all three of them are going to play yes. and possibly all at the same time. Like they may implement some big nickel looks that Sidney Brown can play in um, and they, they may just have some, some three safety sets. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, they're all going to get their share of playing time, but I think the top two guys are going to be Blankenship and, and Edmonds and Brown may very well be more talented than, or more athletically gifted is probably the better way to put it than, than either of those guys. But um, that's a position that tends to come along a little bit slowly uh, early for guys in their career. So we'll see, you know, how he looks in training camp or whatever. But um, I think that, I think that the chalk answer here is, is, you know, the two guys that have already done it a little bit and we, we, we've seen that they can play a little bit, uh, over the guy that we don't know about yet. I think safety is the position on the Eagles roster that people think 
needs the most help. I saw a, I forget where I saw this totally Twitter recently, and there was a question along yeah. those lines, what's the Eagles' biggest hole? Or like, who would you add if you could add anyone? And everyone's like, Buda Baker, Buda Baker. And I think it's not just because of liking Buda Baker as much as it is thinking safety is like this big, glaring weakness. Right. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you safety is like amazing. It's, I don't think it's like one of the best safety rooms in the NFL, but I don't think they're bad there. And I think... Yeah, I kind of like what they have. <laughs> I, well, I think part of that sentiment is coming from losing Chauncey Garner-Johnson. And I think people, yeah. I've said this before, and I said this prior to the Eagles losing TJGJ, were overrating him last year. And also, not not, not like overrating the impact he made, but overrating, um, more interesting, more and more of spinning the conversation forward. I don't need to re- relitigate last year. The impact he could provide moving forward. He's not having six interceptions. He's not leading the NFL in interceptions again, most likely, right. this season. Right. So even if you brought him back, you're probably not getting the 2022 version of Chauncey Garner-Johnson very likely going to be better than the 2023 version of Chauncey John, 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 CJGJ that you get. Um, and that's not to say he's <laughs> going to be bad, but just to say that like he was so good last year, there's, there was going to be naturally some regression on his end. So um, yeah, I read Blankenship again to me played really. I loved what I saw out of him in training camp. I thought he looked really good. And then I loved when he played in the regular season. He looked good again. Was he flawed? Was he, not perfect, absolutely. But like, I don't think there was anything that was like so disqualifying that he can't be a legitimate starter. Especially you're starting Marcus Epps last year, and I like, and I liked Marcus Epps too. But like, is there really a massive drop off, if any? Right. Is, is, is yeah. it possible that Reed Blankenship might even be better than Marcus Epps? Like, I don't, I don't think that's crazy. And Edmonds is like a credible NFL starter. He is like he played mm-hmm. for the Steelers. That's a really good organization. And again, I've said it time and time again. And Steelers fans liked him what, too. Like they exactly. were upset that he left. Yeah, Steelers, Steelers yeah. fans like. In mass, which, you know, f- take fan opinion for what it's worth. Sometimes you overrate your own guys. But typically, when a fan base loses a player, they're prone to be like... Yeah, they're quick to say, well, that guy wasn't exactly. good anyway. And like what people <laughs> accuse me of just saying maybe with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, which, is, which I'm not saying because he was very good. Yeah. But I don't think he was like... It's, I don't think it's this debilitating <laughs> loss. You can't possibly have, oh, no, you're kind of screwed. No. Like, and then, you know, I don't know what to make of Sidney Brown. I don't put a lot of stock into him right now because he's an unproven rookie. But like, there are worse options there are worse you know safety options to have so i actually think they're okay there and don't need to make a move there unless they see something go really wrong in training camp and everyone's kind of stinking up the joint at that spot um but and and i think another thing to think about at that spot is that's an area where sean desai specifically has background in so um for all jonathan gannon's faults gannon had a background with cornerbacks specifically and i think the eagles cornerbacks played pretty well under him so uh, I don't know if you can necessarily just give decide that same benefit of the doubt. But my point is, like, he knows a thing or two about safeties. So I'm going to, you know, I'm not really too worried about that. I'm just trying to look up Michael Clay's, you know, Michael Clay from uh, ESPN. He does so not Eagles special teams rankings. coordinator, Michael Clay. I'm just curious where he has safety. I'm looking that up right now. So I'm going to my apologies for this. ask a related question here. Uh, this comes from Cameron Crawford at Cameron Crawl F underscore on Twitter, who asks, will Kayvon Wallace ever break out and become a starter on defense? Does he have the talent or will his career be the one of a backup special teams guy? And I have to say, I think it is the latter. Yes, I do think he's just more of a backup slash special teams guy at most. Wow. Michael Clay has them 30th at safety. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, they don't have like star power for there. sure. <laughs> yeah, I actually kind of like what they have relative to, to the rest of the league. Now, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to look at this whole list or whatever, but 
They're borderline like middle of the pack. Yeah, which I'd teams say. have like amazing safeties? Um, who do you think of when you think of like, oh wow, those teams are loaded at safety? Who are you like really thinking? Buffalo. Of? Okay, sure. The Lions, maybe uh, now. That, well, who's it's CJ, GJ, and who else? Don't they have another good? Is that Kirby Joseph or is he playing corner for them? I mean, the fact that I can't think of it kind of speaks to I think not being necessarily like a superstar. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was. I mean, he's a rookie, right? So. Uh, is he a rookie or is he last, he year? last year? I'm looking at the Lions depth chart and it's Tracy Walker. Like, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, I guess it's top five here are Bills, Saints, Titans, Ravens, and Seahawks. I really am surprised to see the Eagles all the way down at 30 here. Um, I could dispute some of these. I think that are ahead of them. Doesn't matter. Whatever. Um, <laughs> I think maybe where we look at the safeties and it's not so much a comparison to the rest of the league. But it's in comparison to the rest of the positional groups on their own mm-hmm. roster. So, like, safety is certainly not on the level of quarterback, wide receiver, tight end, offensive line, defensive line. It's ahead of linebacker, of course. Um, running back, I think, is probably – you feel better about that group than safety maybe. But I still don't – like the, the but the roster is so freaking loaded that – you know, again, I, I, I don't, I don't really see much of a problem with this, with this safety group. Yeah, and then, um, you know, you factor in like the pass rush, kind of helping out the secondary. It's another kind of a thing. But you, you didn't answer my question about sure. Kayvon oh, Wallace. About Kayvon. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we've been critical of Kayvon on he the podcast here. I actually think better. he was not yeah, bad. He did play a little bit better than I expected coming out of camp, where I thought he looked. Yeah, I thought he had a bad camp. And I don't regret like being down on him relative to Reed Blankenship because I kept saying like Reed Blankenship yeah. should be playing over Kayvon. And that was clearly right. But I do think Kayvon played a little bit better than I thought he would play. And the Eagles came to that conclusion, yes. obviously, yeah. at some point during was, like, the, the season Texans because he was the game, first guy off the bench. around then, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think he's a perfectly fine number four safety. By the way, I think Justin Evans is a guy to kind of keep an eye on, yep. too who the Eagles wanted to trade for yeah, him mentioned that before. Uh, before the beginning of the season last year. Uh, and then they wound up trading, you know, for, for CJGJ, same team, by the way. And they, Justin Evans and CJGJ were both with the Saints last year. I feel like year. that doesn't get um, and then as soon as importance, what you just said. Like, they weren't going out to get CJ. I think people have this perception, like, CJGJ was just like, you know, they just loved him so much. And they lost him. That's not yeah, true. No, that, that wasn't that the was case. Kind of, uh, he fell into their lap, kind of. That was kind of just kind of a fortuitous thing where the Saint, they were already talking with mm-hmm. the Saints, and then the Saints, and then the, he, be, he became part of the conversation, and they wound up trading for him instead. Um, but Justin, as soon as Justin Evans became a free agent, they were, bang, they are right on him. I think he's got a chance to make the roster, too. So um, Kayvon Wallace is, like I said, I think he's a perfectly fine number four safety but I also don't think he's anything close to a lock to I make agree. this roster. I think he's got to beat out Justin I Evans. Agree. Totally agree with that assessment. Or or they both can make the roster, but then they're beating out players at other positions. Yeah. Um, I think the thing I don't like about Kayvon, I don't really trust him as like, you know, like a free safety, the range and whatnot. Um, you know, ideally should be playing more closer to the line of scrimmage, I think. More of a box yeah. guy. And he does play like in goal line scenario, so that 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 marries up. Um but yeah, I, I just I've seen more bad than good from him on the whole, I would say. So that's fair. All right. Let's take another break here, but not before we hear about Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors and RoachRealtors.com. 856-906-9295 is where you can call or text the aforementioned Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. If you're looking to buy or sell your home, buy or sell your home, house, whatever, 
that was like a mix of home and house that I just tried to say, and it came out together. Uh, anyway, she was voted by God, as you're all aware, as the greatest realtor in the history of the universe. It's obviously, be crazy not to use anyone else. But again, her phone number is 856-906-9295. Brandon. I'm going to say, and maybe she'll get mad at me. Maybe you'll get mad at me for saying this. I'm going to say text her right now for listening to <laughs> this. And uh, say hello just to see if it works. Is that okay? Can you do that? Yeah, you know, sure. Don't like bother her, obviously, a ton. But if you want to, you know, prove that it's really her, you can say, "Hey, I listen to BTN Radio, and I appreciate you, Kristen Roach." So there you go. Something yeah. like that. Yeah, say something yeah. nice, not yeah, just right. a, a nice little check in, not just like, "Hey," <laughs> nothing else. <laughs> hey, what's going on? <laughs> don't do that. All right, we'll be <laughs> back after this. Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors, Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, she's the greatest, 856-906-9295, 856-906-9295, 9295. Back here on BGN Radio, where we're going to wrap up with our final sequence of questions here. Starting with at Northern Will 4, who asks, can Davion Taylor work his way back into the linebacker conversation? He was a third round pick. It's not impossible to me from the standpoint of like that position is very much not like set in stone. There's not a lot set in stone at linebacker, I would say. So from that standpoint, but from the standpoint that <laughs> I thought he looked good-ish, or at least for a yeah, while, he made some plays camp, in camp, but yeah. then was a disaster in the preseason, Ooh, like yes. beyond a disaster. And basically, I think like played his way off the roster, which I think is a rare thing. Usually, you talk about guys playing their way on. He like actively played his way off. But they did keep him around the practice squad. They didn't totally like give up on mm-hmm. him. So um, I'd say non-zero chance. But yeah, I'm 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 betting against it. And if you look back to 2021, by the way, like he had an injury that ended the season. But before that injury, he had a great game against Denver. He had like he had a forced fumble that Slay returned for a touchdown. She might have been, might have had two forced fumbles maybe in that game. Um, so you know, arrows maybe pointing up a little bit. But as you mentioned, he was brutal in not just one preseason game; it was a couple different preseason games last year. And uh, yeah, he's got a hole to climb out of. Third round pick, so he's got that going for him. I don't think they're going to be super. I mean, I guess they did already give up on him because he got cut and he was could have been claimed by any other team in the league, and they didn't. But you're right; they kept him on the practice squad for the entirety of the season, so he's got another chance uh, to make this roster again. But I, I think again, he's another guy that's kind of on the outside looking. It's kind of hard to trust, right? Because how do you trust it? I yeah. trust that it's not going to be a repeat of last year. Even if he looks good in the preseason, how do you know it's not going to like fall apart if he has to play in a real game at some point? So um, I will. He's got ability. He can run and like he's, he's got range, mm-hmm. just can't diagnose. And the instincts just aren't. Well, there. and the book on him was that he was raw. So maybe it does take him yeah. a little bit more time, which is why the Eagles were being to be willing to be patient with him. And it's also, I'll give him the benefit that or not benefit of the doubt, but I'll give him, I'll allow him this, um, Less pressure on him now, as opposed to in previous off seasons where there's kind of more pressure on him to step up, I would say. Now it's kind of like the expectations are so low that if he does anything good, then 
you know, he's, he's kind of been forgotten about. And I think some players might thrive in that in a, in a spot where there's no spotlight on them and they can just go out and kind of play without any kind of expectation and play loose. So I don't think that's again, going to manifest in him making the team, but that's the kind of like the optimistic case on him. I have a related question here from Matt Jennings, AKA not Matt J on Twitter who said, what is the plan? Well, is he Matt J or is he not Matt J? He said he's not Matt J. Hmm. All right. Well, I don't know if we can trust him or not, but I'm willing to hear. What's him out. the plan behind Nicobe Dean? He's going to have a chance to sink or swim, but what if he sinks? Behind. Oh, so what's the plan behind? Well, again, <laughs> like I think uh, they they are very much counting on Nicobe Dean. I mean, right. I mean, they didn't waste any time giving him the the quote unquote red dot green helmet, dot. which I'm sorry, green dot helmet, which. Uh, I think it's a little overstated the importance of that, but or the importance of the you know relay the actual tasks. I disagree uh, with that. I think with, that is important. Yeah. So? Okay. Like, I thought Jordan like some, relaying some the play calls really from the defensive that. coordinator Ryan's. I thought he brought value as that that kind of guy. I thought Jordan Hicks did a nice okay. job of that at times. Yeah, I think there's value in being the guy who lines everyone up and gets everyone in the right spot. But what I do think that's uh, inarguable is if you get you know, if you make a guy that player you expect him to be a three down linebacker. So that's what he's going to be. I mean, he's going to play every, he's going to be on the field for almost the entire game. Um, if you're wearing that green dot sticker. So that's his role. He's the number one linebacker on the team right now. And again, we haven't seen much of him. He played well in the Titans game that, you know, in, in sort of garbage time. Um, he wasn't, wasn't in there because of garbage time. He went in because Kaiser white got hurt um, and he played well. So, you know, we'll see, but um, the plan behind them <laughs> again, I think they're probably going to sign a linebacker, but yeah, I don't know what the plan behind them is. You got Nicholas Morrow, you got Christian Ellis, and then not a whole lot thereafter. So, um, if Nicobe Dean does falter, then as of right now, there isn't a great plan behind him. Yeah. I don't think there really is a plan. Um, I do think. Christian Ellis is the reason why you don't sign someone or trade for someone like immediately or have to like rush that or do it before camp or anything. I think you see how he looks early in camp and see if, Oh, is he still looking good? Like he did in OTAs. Then yeah, maybe, uh, maybe there is something there. We don't need to go after someone um, or at least force a move there. Uh, Obviously there's an opportunity to upgrade at a good cost. Sure. But I, yeah, there's, I don't think there's much of a plan behind him, but I am optimistic genuinely about Christian Ellis. I'm interested to see what he can do. Moro, I don't really know what to fully make of. Uh, Going to really have to see how he looks in the in camp and the games, but, uh, and yeah, and beyond that, who are you talking about really? Like who's even making the team behind those guys? Like Sean Bradley, maybe. Um, Kyron Johnson's moving to off ball linebacker. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. They signed that Ben Van Sumeren guy from Michigan State. He's like super kind of raw, athletic, but not like the most polished player. Yeah. So the answer is not really not like really great options there. And when you look at that, yeah, they probably could afford to add a veteran. Could be a spot where I know they're going to be low on the waiver claim, but, you know, maybe in theory you could get a guy there or you could do one of those Howie trades where you're kind of like trade in for someone uh, like the Eli Harold Ryan Bates trade. Although he kind of got, yep. he got, you know, ripped off from that one. <laughs> they lost yeah. that trade. But, you know, something of that <laughs> ilk where you trade uh, not too much to get someone. So it's possible, but uh wouldn't worry a ton about it. Um, Chris Donald at Donald 
C58S. What's up with special teams? Can they be better than last year? And any update on the punter competition? And then another related question from at Stead PA, who asked, why have special teams been so bad? Parentheses, primarily returns. Is it coaching? I tend to think of special teams as a result of depth since second slash third stringers are the ones out there, aside from the kickers, punters. Seems like we have a lot of depth of our seconds would be starters on other teams. Why can't they block well? So, yeah, basically a, a question about why does special teams, why is it why is it bad? Although the punter thing we've, we've covered before, um, it looks mm-hmm. like Aaron Sipas is very in the lead of Ty Zentner. We'll see how that changes in training camp, but we probably don't expect it to. Uh, I don't think a ton that more to add there. But how do you feel about special teams to me? I mean, they better be better. <laughs> I think the one thing that we don't give uh, the Eagles special teams credit for is how good Jake Elliott is. We just kind of taken him for granted at this point. Maybe. Yeah, but that's also and he's a- my sorry to jump in. But my rebuttal there is he was good before Michael Clay got here. Like that was clear. Yeah, oh, right. So we're not giving Michael yeah. Clay any credit for that. And also course. Michael Clay yeah, played that's linebacker at Oregon. He's not telling Jake Elliott how to cook or to have a kick. <laughs> that's clearly Tyler Brown, <laughs> yes. whose dad yeah, is yeah, like yeah. a kicking specialist for the Ravens and is clearly like a, he's like a kicker kind of guy. So yeah, I don't want to hear about Jake. Jake, if you look Of course, like no no unquestion unquestionably, that's not the point that I'm making here. I just want to yeah, point out back. that in that aspect of special mm-hmm. teams, they're great. But yeah, as far as um I mean, there was a there was a stretch last season where they were just making a bad like either a bad mistake or there was a bad theme to their special teams. But what I mean by that, like in the Packers game, yep. Keyshawn Nixon had like three returns of like fifty yards. Um, they had the uh, they they had the blocked punt against the yep. Giants where Aaron Sabas gets hurt. They had um, oh man, I'm missing a lot of stuff here. But there was there was like almost like seven or eight games where they had some notable special teams yep. gaff. And I remember talking to you on the podcast at the time where I was like, at some point, a special teams mistake is going to lead to a loss. And it, I don't know, like you put all the blame on the Super Bowl loss on Aaron Sipos's crappy punt, but it certainly was a factor. So it's something they, they, they got it. I mean, I can't see how, even if Sipos is better than, an undrafted rookie free agent punter. Can you really go into the season with that no. guy again, knowing that he choked in like pressure games, yep. two straight seasons. Yeah. Can you really go back to you're that gonna guy? You're going to be surprised again? if it happens again. Like you're going to feel like a total idiot. If it happened again, like you're like fool me once <laughs> shame on you, uh, you fool me once shame on me. Fool me. What's fool me three times. Yeah. Strike three, uh, wait, what was the Mike? What yeah, was the Michael yeah, Scott? Oh, yes, it was, it was fool one. me once, shame on you, fool me twice, strike three. <laughs> no, it was strike one, then strike three. There was no strike two. That's okay, the, that's the funny part about it. <laughs> yeah, that's all I got on special teams. I think it's crazy that they brought Michael Clay back and gave him a raise. I mean, the raise thing isn't crazy from a standpoint, or I mean. The fact that they uh, brought him back wasn't crazy after Nick Sirianni had already said they were going to, and coaching assistant contracts usually go two years, and he'd been here two years, so um, you know he was due for a new contract if you were going to bring him back. Mm-hmm. I think it was reported that it's only one year, so it seems like 
they're kind of admitting it's like a prove it year at least for him for Michael Clay. Yeah, uh, a raise isn't really that 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 big a deal because you're going to up somebody's pay with longevity. And also, the, and that that's that's not just in the NFL; that's in pretty much any job. And there's them. no impact in terms of uh, salary cap. You know, Larry can pay coaches whatever they want. It's right, all right. Who up. cares? But but it is kind of like <laughs> yeah. hard to like reconcile from like a like a. Wait, this guy got a raise? Yeah, I get it. <laughs> and he's yeah, also, yeah, yeah. and regardless of that, like he's back. Like really? Uh, so there's a lot of pressure, I think, on Michael Clay to at least produce uh, more average, at least in coverage. Like, and I don't want to hear like, oh, it's hard because you know the backups and they only have so much to work with. That's every coordinator. Freaking make the most of what you got. And I don't. Do, do, has yeah. he really done that? I think that's kind of hard to argue. I'm not saying they have to have the special special best special teams unit in the league, but. Could it, can this be like a strength at some points instead of just a weakness? Uh, that would be nice, especially when it comes to the biggest games of the year. So, um, yeah, a lot of pressure on Michael Clay. I don't have high expectations. We'll see. Okay. And I think part of the neg- part of it, I think, is they just neglect special teams, which is not like the craziest thing in that there's obviously way more important areas to invest in. But as I've said before in the past, I think Howie – and the organization can get a little too carried away sometimes in the things they don't invest in. Like when it, I always bring up like the 2018 Eagles running backs as an example, like when you end up with Josh Adams as your leading rusher, okay, maybe you met, maybe, okay. Running backs don't matter, but maybe they matter like yeah. a little bit more than that. Yeah. yeah, They matter more than Josh or like Adams. When Nate yeah. Gary is out there, you know, like maybe you need to do yeah, a little yeah, bit yeah. better than that. So right. I think they've, they, it's fair to say they could have done like a, and clearly we brought up the punter thing a ton. Like, not bringing in a single guy for competition last year. And I don't think it's just hindsight analysis. It's not actually. We did. And I looked back at our over unders poll from last year. And one of the over under props was do the Eagles bring in a punter? You were calling for them to bring in a punter, even if just for your entertainment in training camp last year. And they didn't do that. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a, that was a hubris mm-hmm. kind of move. That's like a oh, special teams doesn't a punter doesn't really matter who your punter is. And there's some truth to that, but it, <laughs> Maybe you kind of underrated it a little too much. You went a little too extreme on that. And I think that's what the Eagles did. So, all right. Actually, I do have one more point on the kickers, by the way. So you look at like the, the Eagles' two biggest threats in the NFC. One of them is Dallas, who, I mean, look at what they're, look at what happened to our kicker yeah. <laughs> down the stretch last year where he just couldn't make a, a PAT to save his life. And then the Niners, they had Robbie Gould. They drafted a kicker, Moody from Michigan third round, I think really early. I think it was the third round and um, you'd think, okay, they took a third round kicker. That guy must be awesome, but we've seen kickers get taken early that did not pan. Jake Elliott is, is actually an example of that. Who, you know, got beat out in training camp for the Bengals. I Randy Um, Bullock, I think that sounds maybe right. right. Um, Anyway, it doesn't matter. Alex Henry was a fourth round pick <laughs> and he, he stunk. So counting on a kicker to come in and be, you know, awesome immediately is, you know, mild roll of the dice. I think the Eagles are certainly better off than either of those two teams in the kicking department, which can win or lose games. Eagles have to give them. Eagles won a game last year because their kicker made a kick and the Cardinals guy exactly. didn't. And uh, yeah, just speaking, looking, thinking about it, like the history of the Eagles kickers, at least in, the Lurrier or more recently. I mean, they've done well. Acres, obviously. Um, Acres was so good that like people, I remember like people wore David Acres jerseys. Like they, people liked Acres. Yeah. yeah. Um, I liked Acres yeah. growing up. Like I thought I really liked him a lot. Sure. Two was a good number for him. I just thought it was like a really good fit. Um, yeah. 
obviously Cody Parkey was really great <laughs> for a time there for for a little bit. He was especially great when he was on the Bears. For the <laughs> yeah, especially then. But he had he had a like he came out of kind of nowhere to to be really good and beat out Henry. Yep. At one point, um, Caleb Sturgis had that I think what one good season. Uh, 20, I think he made a Pro Bowl, didn't he? Uh, or was that out? No, that might have been Parker. Cameron Dick Digger, the kicker they brought in, was at NFC Special Teams Player of the he's, Week. He's the aforementioned kicker that that you know won yes. the game against the so, Cardinals. They've had some success in that regard, but yeah, punter not as. I mean, Donnie Jones was great, but really, I feel like he's like the best one in a long time and far and away. Well, he's the best player in the history of the That's NFL, true. not just punter. Like Savraka, eh. Um, uh, the the other Australian guy. Oh. Uh, oh, Matt McBriar. Yeah, he actually had a very good career with Dallas. He was horrendous. Well, another former cowboy who didn't work out in Philly. Go figure. And, and there was that guy where they had the the fake punt. Chaz, Chaz Henry. Chaz Henry. Florida. They had the yeah, two. Henry. The kicker was Henry, yeah. and the punter was Henry. And he had a wide open like the they just didn't uh, cover the gunner, so he threw it to him, and he just babied the pass, and it fell like way. Wasn't that short. on the against the Bengals on Thursday night? I think it was no. no the special teams gaff in that game oh, was right. yeah. it was oh so it was great. They only had ten guys on the field. They only had ten guys on the field, and this is when like their season was totally falling apart. Clay Harbor runs onto the field late. All the fans are booing because it's just they don't know what they're doing. And then the punt got e- very easily blocked by the Bengals. I think the Henry, I think the Henry bad throw was against the Bears. I think you're right? Yeah, I conflated those. I remember watching that Henry bad start throw with and just being like, "Oh, there must be a penalty or something." Or you know, like I was like, what? "That was like the worst." It's just, it's just that's how it ends, or like that's that's the result of that. It's just that, like it, it seemed. It would have been a huge play too, because nobody covered him, and he had the the entire field to run. I forget who he threw it to, but he had the entire field to run after he made after after he would have made that the would catch. be man. Maybe you need to make a list of that. They're just like the most inexplicable plays in Eagles history, <laughs> like that one. Yeah. Um, Throwing to uh, what's his name, Hakeem Butler on the fourth and goal, his <laughs> only like NFL <laughs> right. snap ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously the Ronnie Brown, awesome. Ronnie Brown uh, run pass option. Like just yeah, what's what's going on here? Oh uh, man, that is, that is a good uh, article idea. Thinking back to some of those those moments. Um, Andy, great coach, but sometimes man, overthought it. I have to say. <laughs> The Ronnie Brown one really was great. You just <laughs> throw it into the ground. Falling down. <laughs> just chucked it up. But he accidentally threw it backwards. Yeah. I mean, just, <laughs> man. Wow. Uh, all right. Nick Quagliani. Quagliani. Quali- I think it's an Italian. I took some Italian. G-L-I typically yeah. is like a Y sound, I believe. Like a Y. Quagliani. Yeah, I mean, I, I can barely remember any of it. I took, like, honors Italian, too. I think he had a stick figure of mine as his avatar okay, for a while. there you go. Um, yeah, I took Italian in high school, and I can barely remember any of it. It's kind of sad. Very No, no very little. Probably could, like, read a little bit better or, like, understand better than I could speak it at all. But regardless, no one cares. At Nick Nugget, that's two Gs, two Ts on Twitter, asks, what is your craziest news story? Or sorry, mm. craziest news slash story you have covered or can remember as an Eagles reporter. For example, the weird report Dan Orlovsky got offered a job with the Eagles but turned it down the year he posted all those hype videos about Wentz. I didn't really think of that as a relevant example to me. Um, and I had a tough time with this question. 
uh, in part because we've covered a lot of crazy stuff. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, there's certain things that stand out, I guess, that aren't necessarily direct answer to this question that, but that jump in my mind. I think about like the Chip Kelly getting fired. Like, that was pretty crazy that day. I mean, he had a press conference earlier that day. I remember like live tweeting it. I remember like Bomani Jones like retweeting some of my tweets, and I remember exactly where I was. I went out to dinner with my my parents that night. Um, we went to I believe like TGI Fridays, and um, you know Tuesdays in the NFL are off day and typically slower. Although the Eagles, I think mm-hmm. back then were practicing on Tuesdays. But regardless, like I was like ready to go to bed. You know, had a nice night, and all of a sudden like 9 p.m. Chip Kelly's like fired. Like oh that's crazy. Um, I wasn't covering the Eagles for this, but I remember when Joe Banner got like uh, fired, not fired, but like dismissed basically that happened at like Mm -hmm. 2 a.m or like 3 a.m like happened like overnight when that happened like that was really bizarre uh and i guess they traded mcnab on easter Easter. i remember that mike florio writes an article about that like every year i don't know why he's so obsessed with that yeah it's like this is the (laughs) 10th anniversary i guess it's just like an easy layup easter post for him that he feels like he can fill but like he does every year how is this interesting anymore yeah i know yes i remember and they had a press conference, I think, that night on Easter oh, Sunday. They had a press conference, wow. I think. I don't – that's – again, that was before my time covering the teams. I don't even – Yeah, me too. I don't really yeah. remember that. Uh, I I thought about one of the favorite headlines I ever wrote, and I was, like, laughing as I wrote it because it was so ridiculous. It was like um, – oh, man, I had it here, but then I lost it. Or is it still up in the step? No. It was remember when the Eagles had the open training camp practice and the, the Cowboys fans decided to like get a plane to fly over the practice. Oh, uh-huh. the, yeah. Uh, like uh thing. And I, I think I wrote a headline that was like Cowboys fans prove they hate America <laughs> by uh, flying a uh, plane over the Eagle stadium during the national anthem. Cause I happened to do it during the national anthem. <laughs> Obviously like I'm just being right. silly and stuff. Uh, there was also yeah, another yeah, yeah. Uh, one where I wrote about like uh, Cowboys fans complaining. Cause I was, I went to the, I covered the NFL draft in 2017 when it was at the art museum in Philly. Um, and there was like this, you know, they had displays of all the teams or whatever. Well, there was this area in there where, um, there was a Cowboys jersey or whatever, and somehow Eagles fans had like broken into it and placed like a sign that said like Dallas sucks or whatever, something you know very tame. But I remember like mm-hmm. there was like Cowboys fans like c- complaining to the cops there or something that <laughs> happened. So I like I wrote an article about that. So just more like silly stuff, I guess, than anything um, especially crazy. But again, I think you know what the second part of that plane story is, by the way, right? We, well, the Cowboys hiring the plane. What? The Eagles fans then hired a plane to fly some sort of message at their yeah, training camp, I guess. Whoops. And and the plane, the, tragically, the plane crashed. I don't know if that's true. I think there was like, oh, oh, I don't okay. know if that actually ended up being true. But I knew there was some of that angle to it. But I don't know if that is 100%. I think it happened same day, same area. I don't know if it was, that was exactly the same thing. I don't know if that's verified or not. I think there was a concern okay. it was. You're right. I know understand where it's coming from, but I don't know if that ended up being true is my memory. But yeah, that's pretty crazy. A very weird yeah. story. <laughs> Regardless, yeah. The other uh, this is timely too because we're coming right out of OTAs, but there was of course the year that uh Nelson Aguilar and a couple other Eagles oh, yeah. went directly from the I last so OTA practice. I was so pissed. Directly from there to cheerleaders, the strip club, and 
uh, Aguilar got accused of non-payment for services rendered, and and, uh, and that blew up. Of course, I was actually just talking about this with ESP, who at the time worked for NJ.com. His sports editor made him go to cheerleaders to try to interview oh some of the strippers about what had actually occurred. <laughs> I think that would be an assignment where I'd be like, respectfully, I'm well, not especially doing like that. Right. As it's, it's literally the kickoff to the dead zone. And so it's like the time of year where like, that's kind of your, yeah. like your vacation basically. So you're asking, you're being asked to do that during that time too. Not like in season. Yeah. I think that's a I think that's a, a an assignment that I would say no I'm not I'm sorry I'm just not going to do that. Do you have a craziest story? <laughs> Is there anything? Uh I mean, I guess I've had the ones just where I was involved where like uh, you know like Matt Barkley challenging me to the whatever I don't even know what he was challenging me to actually like a quarterback competition or like did he want me to stand 10 feet away from him? <laughs> And he was going to fire like a fastball <laughs> at me as hard as he could, see if I could handle it. But basically that, that resulted it because it, I think this was also during OTAs actually it wasn't even training camp. I had just, I just done a notes post. He had thrown a lollipop pass to the sideline. Like it was a very clear pass that needed to have heat on it. And it didn't, and it was easily picked off. And it wasn't even like, it was like the sixth or seventh bullet point in my notes. So I didn't even like, like emphasize it. it anyway. Yeah. Headline. Like I wasn't looking for. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like I was trying to make a big example of that. But what happened was it got posted on on the Eagles Reddit page, and that was what was emphasized by whoever posted it on there. And Matt Barkley was a like he was a he was a redditor. He was yeah. He was big on Reddit. Often be on the Eagles Reddit page, and he commented in the comment section of that uh, post. And it said something effective like, shut up, Jimmy. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking As if like I posted it. There. I, didn't, like, I had nothing to do with it. But it said, shut up, Jimmy. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what the play call was. You don't know what the route was. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. And then that story, because we are in, I mean, we are in the dead period of the offseason right now. And it was the dead period of the offseason that year. And at the time, he was still like a household name coming out of USC. <laughs> like, I mean, maybe a household name stretching a little bit, but he was a very recognizable uh, figure in USC football. USC had more shine on being it a starter at USC than it does now. A starter at USC for four yeah, years. That was also like What's USC that? also had more shine. I feel like back then at the time. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, like, everyone knew who he was, and it, like one national uh, media outlet. I don't remember who had it first, but they they picked it up, and then as soon as one of them did, they all did. And there was just like, I don't know, like 10 to 15 articles about mainly Matt Barkley, but my name's being mentioned in all of them. (laughs) Like, so that was kind of a a crazy couple of days uh, for me. And of course, it still gets mentioned to be, I mean, that had to have been like, what, seven, eight years ago, eight, nine years ago, something like that, eight, nine years ago, maybe. Okay. So yeah. So 10 years ago then. Um, uh, Yeah, that that was, uh, and people still bring that up to me to this day. There's been a lot. Like, there's a lot of things that probably fall through the cracks in terms of memory because I mean, we've done a lot in, in these ten years. We covered two Super Bowls, one they lost, one they won. Covered the Eagles during mm-hmm. COVID. Covered them during the Riley Cooper fiasco. Um, covered them during multiple quarterback controversies and changes and benching and head coaches getting fired and the GM getting thrown in a closet. Like, there's been there's been a lot of stuff that has gone on. 
over the years um, that you kind of like, I feel like forget things sometimes. So uh, sorry, I guess I don't have like a better answer maybe, but um, I think we took a trip down memory lane a little bit. I think that counts. Yeah. All right. Joseph Malcolm, uh, a, a good, a, a loyal listener slash reader, uh, a, a favorite of yours, I think it's fair to say, at Football Joe with the L's being 11s in his Twitter handle. Fo- mm-hmm. So football. He says that's not because he's a Carson Wentz fan, by the way. He happened to be number 11. Yes. I he, think he wanted that the original one number time 11 in the past. Football Joe. Yes. Okay. He asks, four people will soon be spending one year in a 1,700-square-foot mock Martian habitat. Could you stay in the habitat for the full year for a quarter of a million dollars? Parentheses, the real volunteers will earn 60K. Could you do it if your co-host was one of the four members? Okay, so my answer to this question is... I have no idea what he just said there. So you have to live basically in this like fake simulated... like You're on Mars, basically. That's the simulation. Okay. In, in a habitat okay. on Mars in this controlled environment. That's 1,700 square feet. So I'm guessing you can't like, leave that. You're just like, in this confined space. Yeah, like a small a small single-family house. For a year. Basically. I mean, yeah. if I'm there with three other people, probably no. Even if I could pick them, maybe not. Because I don't want to be... I need my own space, man, I think. And I know that there's no danger in traveling there. Like, it's a 100% chance there's no complications We're not actually on Mars. You're in this fake and... habitat. You're still on Earth. Oh, yeah, oh got it's it. It's a simulated okay. uh, experience, and you have to act like you are on Mars, basically. So, yeah, you're safe. <laughs> okay. Uh, so you can't leave the house, though. And what was the what was the question? Can you stay in the there for there? a quarter of a million? I mean, a quarter of a million is a lot of money. I think I would ultimately try to suck it up. But uh, if I had to stay with three other people, mm. I don't want to be around other people. That's tough. That's the challenge, and the question is: Could you do it if your co-host was one of the four members? Yeah, I think I think I could. Li- I think we could live together for a year and and be fine. Yeah, yeah, but there's, then there's two other people. I would not do. I don't want to not go outside. And I'm 46. I am, you know, more or less in my prime. Maybe a little past. Who a little knows? past, I would say. I don't know how I classify that, but these are the good years for me mm-hmm. right now. I'm not giving up That's a fair. year of my life in in at 46 to do that. If I'm like, yeah, I don't, and I think like now that I'm thinking about it, like, would I do it at 22? And no, I certainly wouldn't do it then either. Like that's, you know, really even for a quarter. And of then a million? when, when you're older, you know, time's short. So I wouldn't do it then either. I just, I don't think I'd mm. be willing to give up a year of my life in that way. Yeah. I, I kind of, I lean that way. If I could do it by myself, two fifty yeah. isn't enough. Like if we're talking like five million, uh, the conversation changes. Maybe I could do it for a year if it was by myself. Okay, yeah, for you by yourself, it's a different story. Yeah, because then it's at least. Uh, are you allowed to talk to other people though? Like on on the phone. I think. So. I mean, I think. Uh, I don't know exactly the specific. Because if, if the simulation is that you're on Mars, you're not getting. There's no like satellite. You know, I mean, there's I no, like, I don't know. There's there no cell be. phone tower up there with you, and theoretically, not a cell phone, but you know, I'm sure there, there's some kind of form of communication that they could have. I don't know, but yeah, it's not going to be like, yeah, cell phone for sure. All right. Anyway, uh, so I think we're both kind of leaning no on that is the real answer. Yeah. But I don't, the aspect like that, if you were one of the co, like, would we have a problem living together? I don't think that's like, no, I don't think that's a challenge. Um, I think we respect each other enough. We're not going to like, kill each other or anything 
Uh, over under. This is also from Football Joe. Okay. Over under 0.5 Eagles. He's throwing his own little over under into our mm-hmm. game here. Who gets suspended for gambling this offseason? Hmm. I don't think, I think it would have already come out. Uh, I'm going to go under on that too. In well, fact, Adam a bunch Schefter of guys did just tweet. Just today, a bunch of guys got suspended for the year for it. Yeah. Well, did that come out? Because I saw he tweeted that on Who did? Wednesday that more Schefter tweeted on Wednesday Wednesday that more people are going to get suspended. Yeah, so it was it, it was a more definitive answer. The the headliner guy was uh, the, I don't even remember his name. I think it was a slot corner for the Colts. Well, he well, said that one the, already. He, well, yeah, but he's we knew we were going to get in trouble. We didn't know the the length of the suspension yet. Okay, but but it's a year. And it, anyway, it just said his name and other players. I didn't even, as soon as I saw that guy's name and he was like the headline name and said other players, I didn't even click on it. So I don't even know who the other guys were. Hmm. Um, Isaiah uh, Rogers, is that his name? Yes, it is. I'm looking at Twitter here to see if there's been any updates. Anyway, uh, yeah, I'm going to take the under. I think the Eagles are really, one of the things that the Eagles deserve credit for, I think, generally, is being... Um, like good on this front. Like this is an area I feel like where Dom kind of might come in too. Not entirely. Yeah. Obviously I think there's other aspects of this, but um, maybe helps kind of to reinforce the message to the to guys like, Hey, don't be dummies. I think they right. have done a, a good job, especially after some incidents too, like with Nigel Bradham and everything. Part of that's on player responsibility. They can't, I obviously can't like control these guys entirely. At the end of the day, they're making independent decisions as human mm-hmm. beings, but I think they're very, intentional especially after some of these suspensions too about that messaging like hey do not mess up do not be a dummy about this so uh, i'm gonna take the under but now i've jinxed it and someone will get who do you think is the most is that is that fair to say i have no i wouldn't i wouldn't have any idea who is into gambling um yeah all right jack chris long was is into gambling i don't know if you ever listened to his podcast uh, <laughs> I have, <laughs> but, uh, of course you have. Yeah. I don't know. I would say, I don't know if you've ever listened to his podcast, but he's talking about gambling all the time. Jack Dispo, Dispo, another, uh, common question asker slash reader slash listener mm-hmm. at Jack underscore Dispo. Love Jack. That's D E S P E A O. Sorry. A U X S. This is our final question. What will we watch first on Barbenheimer Day? So I don't know if you know the context for this, but I the don't. Barbie movie in Oppenheimer, which is about like um, the making of the nuclear bomb, I think, or the atom mm. bomb, uh, is coming out on the same day. And it's kind of funny because like they were posted together at a movie theater or something. Like the the promo, like you know that like, you go to the theater <laughs> and the image they like the the images they make, like the promotional images and like okay. the, the cutouts or whatever. And they were next to each other. So it's kind of a very stark contrast <laughs> between those two things. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, that's my understanding of it. I'm not the biggest movie person. Um, I'm going to see neither, probably, honestly, especially in theaters. If I was going to watch one of the two, it would be Oppenheimer over uh, Barbie movie. Nothing against the Barbie movie, but not necessarily my area of interest as much. I It's supposed to be for gonna... adults, right? The Barbie movie? I don't know. I think it's supposed to be like a comedy that's for adults as opposed to for children. Again, not a not a huge movie. I wouldn't like if someone wanted to watch it. Sure, I'd watch it with them. If like one of my friends really wanted to watch it or invited me, I wouldn't not go. But I'm like I'm not gonna go myself or actively make a plan or seek it out. Yeah, I don't really watch movies. I I do keep up with the Marvel ones. Not even because I'm like the biggest Marvel nut. 
like someone like uh, Seamus Clancy, shout out to Seamus, is someone like him. But I do, I'm invested enough where during COVID, I watched the like all of them in order of uh, release date. Mm-hmm. And I kind of want to keep seeing how it goes. So I'm intrigued by that. Like I like the bigger picture. I like the, the Easter eggs at the end of the movies. And I like seeing how they tie they tie in and they have like the Avengers movies where then you get like all the superstar cast and you know, like everyone's coming in together in one movie. That kind of, I think that's interesting and I like seeing that. So uh, I see those. So that's like, I don't know, two or three years. So uh, I did see M3 in Megan, the movie about like the horror kind of movie. I'm not a big uh-huh. horror guy, but that was kind of more like, that was more, a little more silly, I think, than super scary. <laughs> uh, but that's because some friends wanted to see that. I did see Avatar because I did see the first one. That's like a really big, like, these are like, those are like tentpole, tentpole kind of movies, I feel like. Uh, but in general, I'm not like a movie guy. My friend Alex goes to the movies like, I don't know, like three times a week or something. Mm-hmm. He's like a past. Like, he loves movies. And the aforementioned James Seltzer, I know, actively watches like the best picture nominees every single year faithfully and then watches the oscars to see who wins okay i'm not i'm not like that what about you i used to be a lot more into movies than i am these days i barely see any movies these days they're too long the uh (laughs) the uh the show that the show that i've gotten into isn't a movie answer but uh, i think i've mentioned this on the podcast before too but what we do in the shadows is that's good freaking hilarious it's and it's not even like a subject matter that I would typically be into necessarily. It's basically it does about surprise me now that vampires. Yeah. yeah, it is freaking hilarious. Uh, there's four seasons of it. I blew the I blew through the four seasons like that, and I've rewatched it like several times already. Um, hilarious show. So I would just hop right in. What we do in the shadows, outstanding. Did you? Figure it's out a comedy, by the way. To be clear. Your non-football podcast that slash non-sports so it can't be like you know a Sixers podcast is going to be. Oh uh, yeah, I forgot to think about what that would be. <laughs> but I think uh, so. Yeah, I mean the recent thing that I did was uh, I posted about a bike ride that I did from mm-hmm. Longport to Atlantic City and back, and I'm going to go to other shore towns uh, up and down New Jersey. And do bike rides there. I think something like that would be fun to do. By the way, that yeah. the article that I put, like the first installment of that article that I did, and I'll add to the same article with each new uh, bike ride I do. It did like no traffic, <laughs> like it did nothing, and I don't care. Uh, I like doing it, and I'm going to keep doing it's not it. About traffic, <laughs> yeah, it's just funny because like not what I mean by that is like not a lot of people read it, of course, uh, but I don't right. care. I'm going to keep doing it, and uh, so I think something like that would kind of be fun to do. A little peek behind the curtain. I think there's articles that we do sometimes that aren't about traffic. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, and to be clear, I think you and I both also don't do articles. Like, I don't think you and I can't speak for, I think most writers feel like this. I could be wrong. But I don't, I think you and I don't do articles with the sole thought or the leading thought in our heads being like, this is going to do great traffic. I don't think that's the leading impetus for it. I mean, is that a factor in? Sure. And uh, does that matter at the end of the day? Of course. But I don't, we're not like this. People have this idea that people just do stuff for clicks. I, I, I don't think that way. I legitimately do not. This is not how I think. I'm not like, wow, I'm going to do this article. It's going to get all these clicks. Because I think if you just, if you focus on that, if that's your, if that's the way you think. Yeah, you're going to be terrible. You, <laughs> yeah, you're not actually going to get clicks. Yeah. That's not how like. Yeah, your work, work is going like to be that. garbage. I think you do things you believe in and then the yeah, clicks yeah, yeah. come. Like you, you count on that to come. Like it's like, a, I guess a player, you don't like as a player, you're not like, 
um, I'm going to throw like 10 touchdowns. That's not, it's not a simple yeah, thing yeah, yeah. That or whatever. Like you put the hard work in and then the success comes with that. Right. So, but uh, the point I wanted to make here is that sometimes you do articles that you know aren't probably going to do well at all, but it's not about getting traffic as much as it is like providing a service of some sort. Mm-hmm. Or in this case, I think it's very, like it's some level of, I want to do this. It's, it's more just about me wanting to do something than it is necessarily like the readers loving it or not. And I think that's fair. Yeah. I think you're allowed to, to do those things, especially during yeah, some readers here. will like it and some won't. And what are you going to do? Yeah. And yeah, and some people are, you know, more from the area might have appreciation. Others are living, you know, not near Philly at all and being like, this doesn't apply to me. Uh, but, you know, hey. Right. And then hurt. in which case they can just not click and read it. Exactly. Uh, I, I, a crazy concept. I think people somehow <laughs> struggle with that sometimes. They're like, what, what is this? It's like, I didn't make you consume it. I appreciate you doing it. I really do. Yeah. The click and the listen. Yeah. But uh, if you hate it, like you're allowed to just kind of like. Be like, yeah, not for me. Maybe There's no mystery time. what you're getting by reading the headline. You can just not click on it. Exactly. And then if the headline okay. says, like, is I'm promising you this, and then you click on it, and it's not that, oh, then sure, bring on the hate. Leaked nude photos of Jalen Hurts, and then it's just the <laughs> Vetner Beach Review. Yeah, then, yeah. <laughs> yeah right. That's kind of a little misleading. I do think it's crazy, by the way, how they charged for you to leave the beach. Oh, Margate, yeah. Uh-huh. That, is, that is insane. Yeah. I mean, I I'm against toll like toll I have a, I struggle with tolls in general. It seems like a scam to me. What is this money really going? What is this what is this toll money actually truly going to? Yeah. Is it really actually doing anything? I just feels like and what am I paying for? I'm just paying, I might see paying an accounting of that. You're right. To go over a distance. Like this this feels like a giant especially when it's like a high price too. Like you talk about um like the Ben Franklin bridge. It's five bucks a day, twenty five bucks a week. Are you kidding me? That's like if you have to work. Now, obviously, I know there's like discounted rates. I think if you go over a lot, um, you don't have to pay twenty five dollars a week, and then what's that like a hundred bucks plus a month? But like all that to go over a bridge, really? Yeah, that's and it's two twenty five, so they couldn't even make it a round number, and it's cash only. So if you if yeah, you have easy pass, if you don't like if you pull up that you don't know it's there, and you just don't have cash. What do you do? <laughs> like, what do you, you just, that's what I mean. What, what and you can't you turn do? around because now there are cars behind you. So you get up to the front. You're like, I don't have any money. Like, like what happens if you don't have cash on you? I guess they, there's probably like a thing, or you have to like take it, or they like bill you or something. It's probably they do <laughs> some kind of like thing like that. I'm guessing. I don't know. But that's insane. Tolls are insane to me. Um, yeah. Well, when I wrote that, I wondered if there was going to be people that were like, well, actually, uh, the the bridge is there for a very good reason. Blah, 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 blah. But no, the reaction was like, yeah, people from Margate were like, yeah, we hate that bridge. And wow. it's it's privately owned, evidently. So it's not oh. owned by the state. So it's people just profiting off that bridge being there. Um, and I guess – I guess you could just choose not to take that bridge, but I didn't know. Like I just popped my, I just, you know, put home back into my phone saying, bring me home. And it brought me to that bridge. (laughs) You know, like I didn't choose to go there necessarily because I wanted to, you know, save time or whatever it was. Like people are getting directions and it's just taking them over that bridge, having no idea that, you know, there's some bridge there that you got to pay for, which whatever, fine. But also it doesn't take easy pass. And I don't That's know. That's insane. Like if in the middle of July on a Saturday, what? It, and it takes a while for like each person to go up and here's my two twenty five. Oh, here's your change, sir. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Like each car that goes up there is taking I don't know what thirty seconds for that transaction, maybe a little less. If uh, yeah, but but for but but you know from like from the car pulling up, giving the money, getting the change back, rolling the window back up, they leave. 
it's got to be at least 30 seconds per car, you think? In the middle of July on a Saturday? Insane. What does that look like? Not good. <laughs> I think toll shouldn't be more than a dollar. That's my take. I okay. think a dollar is a reasonable price to pay for a toll, and anything more is insane and potentially classist. Uh, like, I don't know. Five dollars is a lot of money. Yeah. Especially doing it regularly, like it's adding up. That just seems kind of crazy to me. Sure. Come on, a dollar at most. That's that's the the most. Like, you can't tell me like this bridge is in pristine shape. First of all, because it might not be. I don't, I'm just saying any bridge, not a specific one, but just all because of that money. Like I don't know. I just I don't I don't believe in it. Anyway, that's my. It just doesn't. I, I can't. It's, I have a tough time feeling good about it or reconciling it. So maybe I'm taking it for granted, uh, but probably not. I think I'm in the right on this one. All right. I guess that's my final thought. Um, do you have a final thought? You, that was your kind of final thought, I thought. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Well, then uh, we should wrap this up because we're like, geez, an hour and 30 minute, minute, 38 minutes into the actual record. So we longer at the ads. Um, so we'll wrap this up. Thank you for listening. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, at Brandon Gowton, Jimmy Kemsky, Twitter, Instagram, at Jimmy Kemsky. Check out my work at bleedinggreennation.com, Jimmy Kemsky's work at Jimmy, not at jimmykemsky.com. Not quite. At phillyvoice.com. Um, does jimmykemsky.com go to anything? Do you have that domain? I sure hope not. It <laughs> would <laughs> be funny if it went to something really like embarrassing. Someone buy jimmykemsky.com and then uh, link it to like uh, <laughs> something like really embarrassing. Well, there was this site that was that uh, that basically existed to uh, trash oh me uh yeah. esp why and you actually you a little bit too right <laughs> bring, yeah definitely why are you give why are you bringing that up? <laughs> well no because it's funny because like so their their website was philly's voice not phillies as in like the baseball team philly like p-h-i-l-l-y-s phillies voice.com wow. and if you go to that now actually i won't even tell you what's there go to that now do it, don't do it from work. Do it from home. Don't do it from a, a, a device that <laughs> can get you in trouble. But if you go to that website, it's very funny what's there now. Interesting. <laughs> uh, I do. I've kind of forgot about that, but now I do remember that again. Uh, yeah, but they but they I, don't exist anymore. This 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 website that was created to bash me, you, and ESP. Look, uh, we have a lot of very cool very unsurprisingly, it. people didn't care, didn't read it, and they just disappeared. We have a lot of cool things about our jobs. I'm not trying to complain, <laughs> even though we do complain a lot, uh, because you have to. You know, have to get it out. You can't just yeah. have it inside your head because then you're going to think about it, and then it's going to just, you know, ruminate. But one of the things that kind of sucks is like most public-facing people, like players and athletes or whatever, um, they have money, so you can kind of like have like security people or like you know, like you can kind of like tune off a little bit more. I think some players mm-hmm. don't do that well enough, and that's I think on them. You can kind of like check out a little bit more, but when you're like public facing and you're not actually like slash rich, like in, or like actually <laughs> truly like famous in a cool way, and part of your job um, is interacting with uh, readers and such. Yeah, kind of. That's like the negative side when someone kind of like takes advantage of that and is. And actually, I think those people like stalked ESP. I don't know if you said that. Uh, they stalked both like really, of us, but ESP more so okay. than I did than than me, which rather. is like really not okay or cool. So yeah. That's going to be my final thought is don't do that. Thank you. <laughs> don't be a stalker. Uh, it's very good advice. Yeah, I mean, there's no, what's in it for you? What are you really getting out of that? Like not much. Yeah. We're not that exciting. I promise. Uh, 
Extreme so, loser behavior. Right to selling craft turkey. Right to selling.com. Discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. Kristen Rose for Roachfielders. Go to Roachfielders.com or call or text this phone number. 856-906-9295. We have a special episode of the NFC East mixtape coming up next week that I think you all will want to check out, especially if you're listening this deep in. So make sure you check that out. Uh, that'll be posting next Wednesday, the 5th. And then we'll be back with another BGN Radio at some point in the future. So we will talk to you next time. Goodbye, everybody. BGN. <laughs>